The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenty, plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty only to want. Well, there's two subjects here in this verse. Uh, there is that of uh, prosperity and that of poverty. In other words, the, the two extremes. I, I think it's interesting whenever Paul was speaking about being content and he told us that he had learned to you know, be content in whatever state he was in regardless of the situation. And he said, I know how to, uh, to abound and I know how to be abased. And, and basically what he's telling us, regardless of what extreme my life goes to, he says, you know, I've learned to be content. It wasn't something that was natural. It's something he had to learn. And, and, and I don't know about you, but if you're anything like me, you're probably still in that process of learning to be content. And, and I've discovered just about the time that you think, hey, I, I've, I, I've got there. I, I've made it. I, finally, I've, I've learned that. And all of a sudden, something will happen, and uh, you know, the Holy Spirit puts His finger on your heart and says, "See there, I told you. You know, you're not near, nearly as spiritual as you think you are." So we're dealing with those two extremes of life, and I want you to notice what He says about it, because these are two different kinds of people now. And uh, the first is the diligent. And that word diligent means earnestness, it means zeal, it means carefulness. It's speaking about an exhaustive effort to do your best. And, and he, he wants us to know that pays rich dividends. He says it tends only to plenteousness. And, and so if you, want to, if you want plenty out of life, and by the way, this deals with more than just a matter of finances. This deals with, with prospering in life in general. And if we want to prosper, then we're going to have to be diligent. We're going to have to, uh, we're going to, have, to have some zeal. We're going to have to be earnest about what we're doing. And, you know, I, I think that's true regardless of what we're doing, whether you're chopping wood or preaching the sermon or Whatever you're doing, I, I think we ought to be in earnest about it instead of just, you know, half-heartedly uh, going through the motions. And, 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 and I think this shows up maybe, uh, uh, well, in several different places, but it certainly can show up on the job. There's so many times that just watching your coworkers and uh, you'll be able to tell a great deal about their character just by observing their ways. I remember several years ago, I worked for a place called Master Plan Properties, and we had hired a, a draftsman, well, a drafts, whatever you call a woman. It's the only woman that we had ever hired, and uh, for some reason, uh, my boss wanted to hire this woman, and we did, and and, uh, and I don't think it had anything to do with her being a woman, but it didn't make any difference when the deadline was or how much work we had to do or anything else. Uh, she, she just kind of floated around. I, I, I mean, it was like in slow motion all the time. And, and the rest of us, and we had some high-powered, rich clients, you know, and they're wanting to 
you know, wanting us to get the plans out there and get started on the projects, finish the surveys and the design and all of that kind of stuff. And and uh, and she just refused to get with the program. And I'll never forget going into my boss, telling tell, tell my boss, uh, and uh, uh, who, who happened to be the, the the cousin to the guy Johnny Morse owns Bass Pro Shop. And, I told him, Jim, either she's got to go or I got to go. She is not working, not doing. He can't get anything out of her. We listen. That's bad enough. Whenever we're talking about uh, some job related, I think that's pitiful. In fact, but uh, boy, it's even worse when it carries over in the church. Uh, I want to be really careful about what I say here, but I want to say it because I want to make a point. Uh, nobody knows how much I appreciate Brother Kenneth because all all Brother Kenneth needs to know is that something needs to be done or that I would like to get something done or I need something done, and and he's on it. He's never, ever complained one time about anything whatsoever. If there's a hospital visit maybe downtown and what have you to spare me a Trying to go down there, why Brother Kenneth is right, right down there. Uh, let me tell you, we, we've, we've, uh, <laughs> not everybody that holds that position uh, has that attitude. I'll just leave it at that. And as much as I hate to, because I'm telling you what I, we had somebody, and I wondered that. Uh, well, I'm not going to tell you what I wanted to do, but uh, it didn't stay around long. But it's so pitiful that not only somebody called themselves a Christian, but called themselves a preacher, and, and, and all they want to do is just absolutely sit around and do nothing, and, and you tell them to do something, and they don't want to do it, and, and complain about everything under the sun. Let me tell you, it doesn't make any difference what you do in life. If you don't put your heart in it, you're not going to succeed. Uh, the only pastor I ever had, I'll never forget, every time he'd get to talking about the kind of person that he wanted to be for the Lord, and I, I saw him do this several times, and uh, you know, he said, I want to be my very best at it. And he'd get his hanky out. We, we had we had the panel the panel walls in that uh, church community Baptist church and he got his hanky out and he walked over and said you know if I was a if I was the knot hole polisher he said I'd get get me a rag and I'd get me some polish and I'd polish that till I had the you know the nicest knot holes in uh, anywhere you know well to be our best well. Uh, that illustration stuck with me because I believe it's true. We ought to, we ought to be willing to give our very best to what, what we're doing, and especially as it relates to the things of the Lord. So that's one kind of a person, and that leads to prosperity. But notice there's somebody else in this picture, and uh, and the second person is uh, is the hasty person. It says, but of everyone that is hasty, only to want. Now, haste is a word that you can use uh, uh, in, in, in a good sense or a bad sense. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's good to be in, in haste. Uh, if you're out here in the middle of the highway and the cars are coming, you know, it might not hurt if you hurry up and get out of the road. It's good to be in haste 
with some things. But here it's used in a bad sense. And, and the idea, I think, here, it has to do with the person that is impulsive, the person that acts without any forethought. And that leads to failure. Remember the old saying, haste makes waste. Well, the, that's still true today. And the point of it is there are no shortcuts to success. If we're going to succeed, it's going to take diligence. That is, it's going to take hard work. But the person that is just impulsive, they're not thinking things through. And I mean, man, they just flitter from this to that and what have you. Uh, notice he says that uh, that leads to want, uh, them being in need, in other words, or poverty. I guess the point of it is there are no get-rich uh, quick schemes that really work. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is, right? You buy all of these books, How to Become a Millionaire by the Time You're 30, and all of this other nonsense. Well, you know, listen, it's a, it's a good thing, a good thing to plan your work, but if you don't work your plan, it's not going to work. And uh, so that's the idea. Verse number six. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is vanity tossed to and fro of them that seek death. Well, you know, while there are some people that, you know, willing to work for what they get, let's face the facts. There's other people that will resort to any means to get what they want. And, and maybe the most common is that of lying, and that's, what he's talking about here, people that will just get treasures by a lying tongue. And in our, in our day, you know, they say, that, oh, that's just doing business. You think about all of these different commercials and what have you, and, uh, you know, they got this new product and that new product, and boy, do you get this, and it'll be the last thing that you ever need. Uh, wow, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And so you pay your hard-earned money, and within a week or two, it goes kapook. And that even, you know, some of them say a lifetime guarantee. What they don't, they don't tell you is they're going to go out of business intentionally in a month or two and change the names of the company, you know, and what have you. And so uh, you're, you're not going to get anything out of that. What I'm telling you, like the old saying, buyer beware, well, you better, you better. Because they'll sell you anything, they'll lie about it, and uh, do anything to impress you. I, every time I think about that, I think about the, you know, the, the story of the lawyer, brand, brand new lawyer. He's opened up his business. He's trying to get clients. He's uh, looking for all these prospective clients. He's beating the bushes. He's inquiring of other lawyers. He's getting ads out. He's doing everything under the sun. And so as he's kind of cleaning up around there in the office getting stuff ready, some guy walks in, and so he thinks, I want to make a good impression. He grabs the phone, and he picks up the phone, started the conversation, and said, uh, Harry, about that alimigation deal, or uh, uh, that might not be the word he used. He said, I, I think I better run down to the factory and handle it personally. Yes? No, uh, well, I, I don't have, uh, I, I don't think three million is going to swing that deal. 
And he goes on and on like that and finally hangs up and looks up the guy and says, may I help you? He said, no, I'm just here to hook up your phone. And, uh, you know, it's really embarrassing whenever you get caught trying to impress people. And it's a whole lot better off, you know, just to be honest. That's always the best policy. Be honest. I, you know, the political season here, and thank God it's, uh, wrapped up. But, but it always reminds me of, uh, of several different instances where, where there were people that absolutely, uh, could have survived their problem had they just been honest at the beginning. Said, yeah, and he said, I am guilty as sin and I am so sorry and I've made it right with God and I, I, I'm, I'm just so sorry and everything would have gone away. But what gets them is the cover up, trying to cover up, being dishonest. And we're always a lot better off if we just, if we're just honest about it. Well, Verse number seven kind of relates to this because we just talk about, you know, here getting treasure by lying, but now we're going to go beyond that. The robbery of the wicked shall destroy them because they refuse to do judgment. In other words, those who can't get what they want through falsehood, a lot of times will resort to violence. Uh, we 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 hear about that all the time. Actually, somebody pulled in the station, you know, to to gas up, and here's some some panhandler coming by asking for money. And I read about a case like this just the other day, and I, I believe it was a woman who said, "No, I said I, I I can't help you or something," and so he pulled out a gun, and took her purse, and shot her. And, and it's just so amazing to me that somebody would just. Uh, for a few measly dollars, just just kill you. But they will. There are people that are that desperate to get what they want, and they have no value of life whatsoever. And 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 and, and it's no wonder because they were raised in a in a social atmosphere to where you know they uh, abortion is just you know that's legal it's okay as far as they're concerned so there's no respect of life so it's no wonder they don't have respect for life and they grow up you know with that attitude and somebody's got something they want and so uh, they'll kill you to get it i often think about you know whenever i was a boy in every little community of course had a little country store or a little store down on the corner and and that kind of become the hangout for everybody because you know back then we didn't have uh, we didn't have any Kroger and great big stores like that and so it was just really a, a, a neat place to be and everybody knew everybody I want to tell you what the little store down on the corner nowadays uh, is not so safe one of the most dangerous jobs in America is operating a quick-serve type grocery because they'll come in there and rob that and kill you for a few dollars and and go their way. Now, notice here the last part of this verse again. This is God's warning to these people. And he says, notice he says, the robbery of the wicked shall destroy them. And here's the reason, because they refuse to do judgment. It's another way of saying that you're going to reap what you sow when you don't do right. 
uh, it's ultimately going to destroy you. And you know, that's true in every area of our life. It's not just a matter of whether you go out and rob a store or shoot somebody or lie to somebody. The law of sowing and reaping for good or for bad touches every area of our life. Uh, and so many times we worry about somebody getting away with something, right? I mean, talk about that a lot. Well, she got away with that. Boy, she got off with that, or he got away with that. Well, just momentarily. Payday someday. We all reap what we sow. That just that is a that is a universal law of nature that eventually it's going to come back to haunt us. So many times, people, you know, and it, it might listen. It might be that years ago something in the past that that a person did, and uh, they've gotten way beyond that. They're a different person now. They don't do that anymore, but. It just might be that all of a sudden there'll be some problem crop up in their life that is associated with something that was done way back then. You see, even the forgiveness of sin does not always eliminate the consequences of it. David got things right with God, didn't he? I mean, David confessed his sin. He got things right with God. God forgave him. The baby died. And so, listen, it's a dangerous thing when we are unjust, when we are disobedient. Uh, we end up destroying ourselves. Verse number 8, the way of man is forward, which is crooked and strange. But as for the pure, his work is right. Now, look at the second half of the proverb verse, because the second half uh, proves that that the reference to man in the first part uh, has a reference to those that are corrupt or impure. Because remember, there's a contrast going on here. And, and so clearly, the second part says, but as for the pure, but as for the pure, this is in contrast to whoever he's talking about in the first part, which certainly has to do with somebody that's impure, somebody that is corrupt. And so we have this contrast. The way of man is forward and strange, but as for the pure, his work is right. Now we all realize, when I say we all, I'm not talking about everybody out here in the neighborhood. I'm talking about you folks that know the Lord. We understand that we're not saved by our works. We realize that we're saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast, Paul said. But when we've been saved, there are going to be some works to bear evidence of that fact. We're not saved by works, but our salvation produces works. Maybe a good way is whenever the heart is pure, the hands do what's right. My heart's right, my hands do what is right. And notice the way of man, we're talking about the impure man now, is forward, it's crooked, and strange, but it's for the pure, his work is right. Isn't it good to be around those kind of people that you just, you just know and you have confidence in them 
that whatever it is that they do, at least in their mind, they're going to try to do what's right. And it's wonderful to have friends like that and people that you can rely upon and have confidence in. And uh, you can depend on them. Verse 9, it is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. (laughs) Oh, me. Well, (laughs) now, keep in mind back in those days, you know, you first read that maybe some kids nowadays that, you know, they wouldn't have any idea what he's talking about here. But notice here, the corner of the house top. Back in those days, you had flat top houses and what have you. And and, and people literally, a lot of times, you know, in the evening, they would go up there and use the rooftop kind of like a patio, but certainly not something you would ever intend to just live up there. You wouldn't stay up there at night and let the dew fall on you. You wouldn't be up there during the storm, let the rain fall on you. And so that's not where, uh, it's not where you'd want to live. But notice he says it's better to dwell. He's talking about living, staying, abiding there. It better just stay up on the roof of the house than to, than to live with a brawling woman in a wide house, a great big ranch style mansion or whatever it is. You're better off, he says, being uh, up on the rooftop. You know, I've, uh, I've got to say, I think that you can flip that and say for the woman, it would be equally as bad, you know, for her also. I don't think the point is necessarily, uh, even though it speaks of a woman, uh, I, I don't think the point so much to it whether it's a woman or a man as it is with the fact that it's a domestic dispute. And, and by the way, those those, <laughs> those ugly things aren't new. They've uh, they've been around the battle between the sexes, you know. Uh, uh, boy, it's been around forever. We try to joke our way out of it, and we people coin phrases all of the time, you know, trying to, you know, just lightheartedly pass it off. And in fact, I, I jotted down a, a few that I'd heard about. And uh, uh, w- one person said, "God made man before woman to give him time to think of an answer for her first question." <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else said a successful man is one who makes more money than his wife can spend. Successful woman is who can find such a man. Another one said there are two times when a man doesn't understand a woman. Before marriage and after marriage. Somebody else said to be happy with a man, you must understand him a lot and love him a little. To be happy with a woman, you must love her a lot and not try to understand her at all. Just a couple of more. A woman worries about the future until she gets a husband, while a man never worries about the future until he gets a wife. One more. (laughs) A woman has the last word in any argument. Anything a man says after that is the beginning of a new argument. Now, I read all of those for a reason. 
It's only natural that we laugh at those things and what have you. But boy, I'm telling you what, when it gets down to marital conflict, it's not so funny when you're involved in it. It's no laughing matter. I had a deacon some years ago tried to tell me he and his wife had never had an argument, a crossword, or anything like that. I, I, I told him I didn't believe him. Still don't believe him. And, uh, oh, by the way, he's not here. Yeah. <laughs> he's not, not in this church any longer anyway. But uh, I, I just don't believe that. I, I mean, uh, the, the, you know, the, in the very best of marriages, there's going to be some differences of opinion. And it doesn't mean you have a knockdown, drag out, and a brawl and stuff like that. But my, there are going to be times whenever, whenever the air is heavy and the tension is, you know, is bad, and it it, it just gets that way. And the secret, you know, to staying married for a lot of years is is not never disagreeing, but it's learning how to work through your disagreements. And, and and I've said it so many times, talking about woman. Whenever God made Eve, made a helpmate for for Adam, and that that word can imply a a completer, someone that completes him. So, and, and we we need that balance in our lives. I, just Sunday, I was talking about Bev being such a good listener, and she is. She's ten times a better listener than I am. I I have to really work at that, and with her, it is so normal. Uh, and, and and I think people can see it or something because good night. We can't go anywhere. With, we can go to Dillard's and somebody wants to tell her their life problems or McDonald's or whatever it is. Why do they do that? Well, they know that she's focused and uh, and uh, she's, she's listening to them. <laughs> and well, I, I'm not so good. I, I'm just going to leave it at that. It's embarrassing to go beyond that. I, I, I struggle with that. Now, I've said all of that for a reason. To brag on my wife in case she's listening. <laughs> no, no. I don't want to have one of these these brawls. I don't want to sleep on the housetop tonight. Um, uh, the 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 point is there are going to be differences of opinion, and we need to learn to work through those things. Let me tell you something. Whenever whenever a person can find. Uh, shelter and security and peace in the home, they can endure almost anything somewhere else. I mean, you can go to work and you can have an awful day, but whenever you come home to a wife uh, or a husband, you know, that loves you and, you know, they they care about you and and, and so forth, why, uh, that makes all the difference in the world. The last thing, the last thing you want to do is have a bad day at work and come home and get in a big argument. And when peace prevails in our homes, uh, it's going to give us strength to meet the demands of life. And that's why it's so important. By the way, this this verse almost identical, but there's a there's a little difference that we'll talk about. It's going to come up here maybe next week or the week after that. Uh, another verse almost like it here in this same chapter. Verse 10. 
The soul of the wicked desireth evil. His neighbor findeth no favor in his eyes. The soul of the wicked desireth evil. The most natural thing in the world for an unsaved person is to lust after their sin. That's why you don't have to, you don't have to teach a kid to do wrong. They do that by nature. They're born into the world speaking lies. They've got a sin nature. And, and it's natural for them to, you know, we, sometimes we wonder why people do what they do. They do what they do because of who they are. It's in their nature that, uh, that you know, they want to satisfy their sinful appetite. And it's so strong that they really don't have a lot of concern about other people. It's all about satisfying their appetite. And uh, you just think about a society made up of people like that. And we all know that the majority of the population is unsaved. I, I think that's an undeniable fact. So what are you going to expect out of the, out of the society? Well, you're, you're going to expect what is produced by people that don't care anything about God. All they want to do is satisfy themselves. And notice he says, they desireth evil. And uh, his neighbor finds no favor in his eyes. They don't get along with anybody else because it's all about them. The really interesting thing to me about this, and I, for whatever reason, I... Uh, I, uh, as I was preparing this and I noticed and usually on the messages at the bottom where I leave off each time you know or in the verse and, and, and maybe in the margin of my Bible or on the bottom of the notes and I'll write down the date and as I was getting this message together and thinking about it I just happened to notice that the last time that I taught these verses was the day after the destruction of the twin tires. Now, why is that significant? Well, I think it's interesting whenever we think about the soul of the wicked, they only desire evil. All they want is what they want. They care nothing about their neighbor. The neighbor finds no favor in their eyes. Listen, we've got people that will fly airplanes into tall buildings and kill themselves in order to flick, inflict pain upon us. And, and you know, in, in some ways, that's not really that much different than the guy that goes out here and walks in a quick stop market somewhere and kills somebody for a few dollars so they can go buy their drugs and satisfy that lust that is in their flesh. And, and so we wonder why society is like it is whenever we see the answer right here before our eyes. Now, we're going to get to verse number 11. I'm just going to read it, and I, I think I'm going to stop there uh, with just reading it, and that will give us more time next week to discuss it. When the scorner is punished, the simple is made wise. And when the wise is instructed, he receiveth knowledge. Let me go ahead and talk about it. I, Charles Bridges, who was 150, 200 years ago, whenever it was he lived, a long time ago, wrote, the, I think, the best commentary ever on Proverbs. 
Charles Bridges said, No stroke of his rod is without its effect. The blow that strikes one reaches two. The scorner for punishment and the simple for improvement. Now think that again. Let's read our verse again. The scorner, when the scorner is punished, the simple is made wise. And, and, and what did he say? He says, the blow that strikes one reaches two. In other words, the blow inflicts punishment on the person that did the wrong, but the blow, uh, the blow also has an effect on the person that is observing that. And so, uh, you know, we look at our, our situation today and Adam is still back there. Anybody that's a cop, and we've got all of these cops around here, and they'll tell you it is so frustrating. You go out here and you arrest somebody, and it's just a matter of an, an hour or so, and they're right back out on the street. And by the way, these crooks know that. They know that. And, and you know, we, we look at this and we wonder, how in the world did they get away with that? And let me tell you, whenever... Whenever you've got a bunch of little kids growing up and they're 10, 11, 12 years old and they're watching, they're watching their home and boys out there and they see them getting away with that and other kids getting away with it, you know what they're going to do? They're going to do the same thing. Same thing's true here in a Sunday school class or wherever it is. You let some kid, you know, get away with something, after a while, all of the kids are going to do it. They assume that they can do wrong and get by with it because somebody else did. But notice the second part of this verse because uh, it, it tells us how it ought to be. And when the wise is instructed, he receiveth knowledge. In other words, the wise person is going to be teachable. And believe me, learning from instruction is more pleasant than learning from punishment. It's a whole lot better to just listen to instruction and learn than it is to go ahead and do wrong, get caught, and get punished. And so, uh, you, you know, that maybe a good lesson here for for parents, especially, you know, those that have several kids and uh you better believe the younger ones watch how you deal with the transgressions of the older ones. They really do. And boy, I mean, whenever you've raised eight like Bev and I, uh, and you've had it brought up to you, well, you, you, you let so-and-so do this or you let so-and-so do that. You know, why can't I? And uh, they're, they're watching how you, how you treat the other person. And it just works out so much better whenever whenever a child is wise enough to say, you know, mom and dad's a whole lot older than I am, a lot smarter than I am. You know, uh, I'm just going to listen and learn. And, that, and that, you know, that's a good habit of, for us to get into throughout life. Whenever God says something, just learn from it. Don't get the idea that you can skirt the issue and get by with neglecting it because, hey, it'll catch up with you. Well, Lord willing, next week we'll pick up there and go on. Thank you so much for being here tonight. I hope you have a really good rest of the week. Pray for our Wana kiddos tonight that 
Maybe some uh, young person will trust Christ as their Savior. Any last word, announcement?